गुड मॉर्निंग चर्च फॉर टूडेज स्क्रिप्चर रीडिंग लेट्स टर्न टू एक्स चैप्टर टू वर्सेस वन टू थर्टीन वेन द डे ऑफ पिंडिकॉस्ट केम दे वर ऑल टूगेदर इन वन प्लेस सडनली अ साउंड लाइक द ब्लोइंग ऑफ अ वायलेंट विंड केम फ्रॉम हेवन एंड फिल द होल हाउस वेर दे वेर सिटिंग दिस सॉ वट सीम टू बी टंग्स ऑफ फायर दैट सेपरेटेड एंड केम टू रेस्ट ऑन ईच ऑफ दैम all of them were filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them now there were st- uh, there were staying in jerusalem god fearing jews from every nation under heaven when they heard this sound a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken utterly amazed they asked aren't all this who are speaking galileans then how is it that each of us hear them in our native language parthians medes elamites residents of mesopotamia judah and uh, cappadocia pontus and asia phrygia and pamphylia egypt and the parts of libya near kiren visitors from rome both jews and converts of Jude- judaism uh, cretans and arabs were here Uh, we hear them declaring the wonders of god in our own tongues amazed and perplexed they asked one another what does this mean some however made fun of them and said they have too much wine let's pray our gracious heavenly father once again we come before you and we thank you for the wonderful day that you have given us for the blessing for the mercy that you have showed upon us father that we could gather together uh, at this place just to glorify your name father uh, i commit uh, i commit jobin bhai into your hand as he will be uh, taking the study father whatever he speaks whatever message he has prepared should be from your side and not from his side father i commit him into your hand and commit the rest of the um, meeting in your hand father I ask this small prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. In our pursuit of our, the study in relation to spiritual gifts, if you remember, we've been looking at four main portions, especially in the New Testament, in regards to spiritual gifts. We've been looking at Romans chapter 12, First Corinthians 12. Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 4. In our study last month we were at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and if you remember I had mentioned that the gifts that are written there in 1 Corinthians 12 by apostle Paul are gifts that was needed at a particular point in time. What I was referring to was that it was necessary for a particular point if you look at the context in relation to the birth of the church and it is not much in function today as it was at that point of time so i was thinking that as we were talking about miracles healings and specifically speaking in tongues that it would be appropriate if we were to look at acts chapter 2 today i want all of you to listen to me carefully because acts chapter 2 is a very important lesson it is an actual historical event because it talks about the birth of the church on the day of pentecost 
These are two important things in the New Testament teaching. And that is something that you and I need to understand. What really happened on the day of Pentecost and the birth of the New Testament church? Now this was and is the desire of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was his earnest desire. Listen to me carefully. Jesus Christ willingly became the penalty of sin or death for the entire world. He willingly became the penalty of sin, which is death. He wantedly chose to gather all who believe in his redemption on the cross so that through his blood, as blood-bought saints, we can become part of God's church. God wanted to establish his church through all who believe on the redemptive price paid by the Lord Jesus on the cross. If you remember, we've read this verse so many times in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Jesus says that he will build his church on the rock that is himself, he being the foundation. And Christ will establish his church on himself. So let me put all of this together and make us understand all of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ through his redemptive work on the cross all of us who have been bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus collectively are called his bride or the church of God. And the church was born and established on the day of Pentecost. So if you look at Acts chapter 2 in today's passage, it will teach us the incidents that happened on the day of Pentecost. But it will also remind us again about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah who was to come into the world. And before I take one step forward, can I remind us as Calvary Bible Fellowship, there is nothing far greater than knowing about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing is far greater than knowing about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you just turn with me, if you've already not turned with me, to the book of Acts, chapter 2, and our brother read to us from verses 1 to 13. It's a very big passage and we don't have time to go through every single verse. So I'm going to specifically look at chapter 2, verses 1 to 13, and a couple of verses after that. So please bear with me and listen carefully to what the word of the Lord speaks to us today. You look at chapter 2 and verses 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came. So let me just give us a background. Now, just to put it as simple as possible, there were a lot of festivals and feasts that the people of Israel would celebrate. Now, one such festival like that was called the Feast of the First Fruits. Okay, it's just simple. Let's just keep that in our mind. Now, after the Feast of the First Fruits was when the people of Israel would celebrate the day of Pentecost. Now, the word or the name Pentecost means 50. So the easiest way that I can explain this to you is after the feast of the first fruits, exactly 50 days later is when they would celebrate the day of Pentecost. Does that make sense? Yes? Can you shake your head? That's right. So after they celebrate the festival or the feast of the first fruits, 50 days later is when they would celebrate the day of Pentecost. Now look at what the word of God says in that passage. Chapter 2 and verses 1. Now when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They were all together in one place. So the most obvious question that would come to us is, who was together in one place? Who were the people that were together on the day of Pentecost? Now 
if i were to use a couple of verses if you look at the immediate context contextual verse because we are at chapter 2 and verse 1 so if you look at chapter 1 and verse 26 in your bibles there it says and they cast lots and the lot fell to matthias so he was added to the 11 apostles so possibly they who were gathered together was a reference to the 12 disciples it was a reference to the 12 disciples but if you notice in chapter 1 and verse 15 there it not only talks about the 12 disciples if you look into your bibles it says in those days peter stood up among the believers a group numbering about 120 so again in the context you will see carefully it was not only the 12 but it was also the 12 and 120 believers but again again you look at chapter 2 and verse 14 there it says peter stood up with the 11 raised his voice and addressed the crowd so probably it was just the 12 disciples or probably it was the 12 and the 120 believers it really doesn't matter what the number is it really doesn't matter if it was only the 12 or if it was the 12 and the 120 but a group of believers who were bought by the blood of christ came together and they were spending time in prayer and in worship to god that's what is most important for us from the text so probably it was the 12 or probably it was the 12 and the 120 believers look at chapter 2 and verses 2 there was a, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind and they also tongues of fire that separated and rested on each of them you know i got a beautiful picture that i think best illustrates what actually happened on the day of pentecost those are not the 12 disciples but i believe that that is exactly a visual representation of what happened the spirit came upon the believers who were gathered there and the spirit or tongues came and rested on each of the people that was gathered day gathered there on the day of pentecost now listen to me carefully before we go ahead the filling of the spirit is very different from the baptism of the holy spirit All of us know you and I know that the baptism of the Holy Spirit occurs only once at the moment of Okay let me try that out again The baptism of the Holy Spirit happens only once and that too at the moment of That's right when you and I accept the Lord Jesus Christ every born again believer becomes baptized with the Holy Spirit That's a one time event just like our salvation is a one time event but A fi- the filling of the holy spirit is a continuous moment you and i need to be daily filled with the holy spirit that means it is possible for me to stand here and speak to you without being filled by the holy spirit that is why it is important whenever we pray we should always ask the lord jesus christ lord would you fill me more with your holy spirit would you give me more of your grace because that is something that needs to happen on a regular daily basis now you look at chapter 2 and verses 4 all of them were filled with the holy spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them so now listen to me carefully so the evidence of being filled with the holy spirit here is speaking in tongues and what does it mean when it says that they spoke in tongues let me only explain acts chapter 2 i'm not here to do anything else What is speaking in tongues in Acts chapter 2? Now in Acts chapter 2, speaking in tongues mean they spoke known human languages unknown to the speaker. Can I say that again? 
Speaking in tongues means they spoke in known human languages unknown to them. Now it's talking about an existing human language. A language that human beings speak, converse with, with one another. It was spoken by the human race. Now the disciples at that time were not aware on how to speak these languages. But God through his supernatural power enabled the apostles to speak in a language that was unknown to them. Today you and I know that there are 101 languages that are there in the world. Actually more than 101. And at that point of time the disciples only knew to speak a particular language. But on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them they all were filled and they spoke in human languages that they were not aware of before. That is simply what speaking in tongues means in Acts chapter 2. Listen to me carefully as I make the statement. This is what is speaking in tongues that is mentioned in Acts chapter 2 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Speaking in tongues is speaking in a language that they themselves were not aware of. Now you look at chapter 2 verses 5 to 8. Look at chapter 2 and verses 5 to 8. Very clearly, this is what the word of God says. There is no explanation that is needed. Verses 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Isn't it very clear? They heard the disciples speaking in a language that they could understand. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who were speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each one of us hears them in our own native language? How is it that we can understand what they are saying? So that means the disciples spoke in a language that the people could understand. And they were saying, how is it that they who do not know how to speak my language is actually now speaking my language? Well, that is what the speaking in tongues actually mean. The disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit spoke in tongues, that is words, human language, which the others could understand. And the disciples therefore could communicate with the crowd. They could communicate with the audience. Am I, am I, am I clear so far? Yes? Well, that's what speaking does. It's simple. It's there from scripture. Now comes the interesting part. You look at verses 9 to 12. Okay, we can't read. I don't want to read the entire verse because I might mispronounce some of these names that are there. But there was a group of people, a group, an ethnic group of people that actually came together on the day of Pentecost. All of these groups are mentioned there. I am so happy that there are two ethnic groups that are mentioned there. One is Asians that are there and the second is Arabs. There are Arabs mentioned over there. One, the country that I was born in and one, the country that I represent. And these people were all there that day on the day of Pentecost, you look at those groups that are there. There are more than 10. I think about 14 ethnic groups. And the disciples ministered to them all. You get that? The disciples ministered to them all. Spoke to them in their language, which they themselves did not know. Now you listen. This is a very supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Enabling God's chosen people to communicate in a way that is personal to them. So what is speaking in tongues in Acts chapter 2? 
well it is speaking a known human language that the speaker himself or herself did not know at that point of time god gave them an empowerment and they all of a sudden had an ability to speak in a language that the audience was was conversing with so therefore we pause and we ask that important question well did they spoken a human language what did they share with the people what did they talk to the people well they i get it now from scripture that they spoke in a language that they understand well what did they speak again you look at um, verses 11 can you all look into your bibles in verses 11 and can you tell me a word what did they speak it said in the last part it says we heard them declaring the come on church a little more louder we we heard them declaring the the wonders of god that means they spoke human language then they spoke about the wonders of god and that is what i said to you in the beginning there is nothing far greater than talking about the personhood of the lord jesus christ they spoke about the wonders of god so now before i go ahead i thought it'll be nice if i could visualize what happened in acts chapter 2 you know just think about it if i were to look at this audience right now Uh, there's all of us who are sitting here are indians yes is lydia here today so all of us are indians here we don't have anybody from any other country but within india there are so many of us who speak different language yes or no hindi tamil telugu marathi yeah huh malayalam yes kannada sorry sorry i'm very very sorry apologies how could i forget malayalam okay kannada yeah So imagine if this was the day of Pentecost, and imagine if I was one of the disciples. I only know to speak my Galilean language. I only know to speak Aramaic or Hebrew. And then, by the enablement of the Holy Spirit, I come out and I look at the crowd that is there. And all of a sudden, one of the disciples walks up to the Hindi-speaking group, and then he says, "Mere baiyo, mere behno, mere pas aajao. Main Parameshwar ke baare mein aapko bata sakta." He spoke about the wonders of God with them. And then there was another guy who came out. One of the disciples came out and said, "Habibi, tal, tal," and we will talk about God in Arabic, of course. <laughs> well, that's exactly what happened. And he spoke the wonders of God. Well, there was another disciple who spoke to those who could converse in Tamil. Somebody else who spoke in Malayalam, a human language that the disciples themselves did not know. Well, that is supernatural, and that is speaking in tongues in Acts chapter two. you know all of us always debate and fight about well what happens in the world today the only thing that i would like to tell is if anybody wants to speak in tongues the scripture is very clear about what you are supposed to speak in tongues you get what i'm trying to say god gives you that supernatural ability only to speak about whom it's about god there is nobody else or nothing else that you and i are actually supposed to speak about they spoke about the wonders of god they spoke about the wonders of god now you look at chapter 2 uh, verses 14 to verse 40 you will see the entire speech that actually peter gives you see actually what peter revealed to the people let's just read verses 40 uh, 14 then peter stood up with the 11 raised his voice addressed the crowd and he said fellow jews and all of you who live in jerusalem let me explain this to you listen carefully to what i have to say and you see the sermon that was preached by peter on the day of pentecost about the wonder of god and if i were to give a theme to the message of this great apostle it was that jesus is 
Messiah and Lord. Jesus is Messiah and Lord. That is what Peter is actually talking about in his message. I believe when Peter gave this message, the other disciples were with different other ethnic groups and they were just conveying the same message about this wonder of God. The wonder of God is revealed in the fact that Jesus is the only Messiah who came into this world to die for the entire for the sins of the entire world. There are three things that I want to quickly point out from this passage. Look at verse 22. Look at verse 22. Jesus was accredited by God. Number one. Verses 23. Jesus is God's set purpose. And verse 36. Jesus is both Lord and Christ. Wow. You look at verse 22. Jesus was accredited by God. I want to read verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. Brothers and sisters, God accredited the Lord Jesus Christ. He verified who the Lord Jesus Christ was through signs, miracles and wonders. Now, what does that mean? Well, miracles, signs and wonders are visible, right? They can be seen, they can be experienced. And God wanted people to know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Because Jesus is the incarnate Son of God. So that by seeing the Lord Jesus Christ, they would believe in Him for eternal life. You know, when I was studying the last whole week, a beautiful passage that really convicted me throughout the week was this passage where, you know what Jesus did when he was with his disciples? Yes, he mentored, he taught them, he explained the gospel. There is a passage in the Bible where it says that Jesus prayed for his disciples. Isn't that beautiful? He prayed for his disciples. He prayed that his disciples would see him for who he is. And that allows me to understand that every day the Lord Jesus prays for me. He prays for you. Is there anything more beautiful than that? That Jesus prays for Jobin. That Jobin would see Christ and become more (laughs) Christ-like. That when I fall in my sin and my shame, Jesus looks at the Heavenly Father and He says, Forgive Him. He is weak. And that is why the Word of God says that He was accredited by God. That God verified the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that through that verification from the Heavenly Father, people would see Christ and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember over and over again, the heavens would open and the Father would speak and the Father would say, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You look at verses 23. Not only was Jesus accredited by God, but Jesus was God's set purpose. Verse 23. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge and you with the help of the wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Brothers and sisters, the crucifixion was never an accident. It was God's determined will and divine necessity. Let me say that again. It was never by accident. It was God's divine will and it was a divine necessity. Jesus was put to death on the cross so that all of us who have fallen short of the glory of God, as we were reminded, can look at that cross and believe on the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The word of God continues to say that when Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, he was taken out, he was placed into the, he was placed into the tomb and they had put a stone over the tomb. But you look at verse 24. You look at verse 24. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It was impossible for death to have any control or hold the tomb shut. And on the third day, the tombstone was removed. He rose again on the third day so that he defeat, so that by once and for all through his death, he could defeat sin, he could defeat death, he could defeat Satan. So that all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sin, they can be saved. This is the message of the wonders of God that Peter spoke with the audience. Jesus was not only accredited by God, Jesus was not only God's set purpose. Look at verse 36. Look at verse 36. It says there in verse 36, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Jesus is now both Lord and Christ. You know the original word for Christ is another word that is used in scripture for the word Yahweh which actually talks about the fact that Jesus is both man and God. That's the meaning of that verse. When he says that Jesus is both Lord and Christ, it allows us to understand that Jesus was not only man, but Jesus at the same time was God. He is God-man. He is not God and man, but he is God-man. That means it was God-man who died for my sins on the cross. It was God-man who was buried and it is God-man who rose again from the dead. So believers, let me just tie this all together so that we are not confused about what I was saying. In the beginning verses, we spoke about the day of Pentecost, an important historical event. Why? Because it talks about the birth of the church. On that day, when the believers were gathered together, when the disciples were together, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And a sign of the Holy Spirit that came upon them was they went out, they looked at all the audience, their heart was bursting within them when they saw them people living in sin. They went out to each of those people, spoke in their own language that they did not know, and shared the gospel with them. They told the people how Jesus was approved, accredited by God. They spoke about how Jesus Christ was the one who was sent from God above. And that how Jesus is not just a mere man, but God who was there even before the beginning of time. So, so what happens when you talk about the wonder of God? What happens when you share with people about who Christ is? When you talk about how Jesus Christ came into this world and and, and, and that they died for the sins of the entire world. What is the result of that? Will you look at verses 38? Please look into your Bibles in verse 38. And the word of God says in verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent, it says, and be baptized. That's a beautiful picture that illustrates it, right? 
Now you know what that verse or that word repentance means? To change your outlook. To have a change of heart. That is what repentance means. That I have realized that I am so ashamed of the way I have been living my life. I am so ashamed of this sin that I have committed. I am so ashamed that I have been living without knowing that there is a God who loves me. And to repent means to change our heart. To change our outlook in our lives. You know, it could be a personal decision that anyone can make the moment they realize that they are sinners and that they need Jesus Christ in their life. That they are willing and ready to believe that Jesus is the only way, the only truth and the only life. It's a personal decision, a personal faith. And I believe that there are so many of us who've made that decision to accept the Lord Jesus Christ through the repentance of our sin. Now probably some of us did that when we were alone in our room from reading the word. Or somebody shared the gospel when we were in an audience. We went to our home when we personally accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, a public declaration of that personal faith is called baptism. That's it. That's what it says to be baptized. If you've repented of your sins, all that you need to do is publicly testify about your personal decision in the Lord. All those who accepted the Lord Jesus Christ also enjoys the public expression of their faith, which is through baptism. If there is any of you sitting here, and if you've repented of your sins, and you've asked the Lord Jesus to live into your hearts, and I want to ask you the same question, that eunuch asked Philip, here is some water. What stops you from being? What stops you from being? Baptized. Well, if there's anybody sitting here like that who's not made that decision yet, why don't you think about it? Our elders stood here a few weeks back and they made a declaration that if there is anybody here, come and talk to them. Well, that's a golden opportunity. If you love the Lord Jesus and you know what the Lord Jesus has done for you, are you willing today to go up to the elders and tell them, well, I would like to tell the whole world. I want to let my family know that I have made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. We declare then to the world that I am dying with Christ, I am being buried with Christ, and I am being raised up with the Lord Jesus Christ. When we go into the water, that is what we symbolize to the entire world. Or, as the word of God says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, we all know this verse, can we read it together? It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The power or the life I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the newness in life that we have because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross of Calvary. What was the end result of all of this conversation that happened in Acts chapter 2? Look at verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Those who accepted his message is the first step. So to the accept the message means to repent. Now to repent means, to, to repent and to be baptized means to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a group we are called believers. But we are also called as the church of God or as the bride of Christ. They were added to their number every day. That is how somebody becomes a part of a church. Each and every member of the church of Christ are spiritually gifted or enabled by the Holy Spirit. 
And the Lord Jesus gives his children spiritual gifts to exhibit their qualities so that we help each other to grow and become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. You get what I'm trying to say? So in the simplest way, if I could close Acts chapter 2, all of these miraculous things that is described over here was necessary at that point of time for the birth of the church. I will just say that and I will just stop at that. It was necessary at that point of time for the birth of the church. Maybe you are here today and, and you do not know who the Lord Jesus is. Well, I want to reveal to you that Jesus is the Son of God. He was approved by God. He was God's set purpose and he is both Lord and Christ. He died for your sins, my dear brother, my dear sister, and I urge you, repent and believe in him. If there is anybody sitting here who has never asked this Lord to come and live into your life, can I ask you for a brief moment to open your heart and ask the Lord Jesus to come and live within? Well, maybe you are here today, part of Calvary Bible Fellowship, and yet you feel lonely, you feel lost, you feel insecure, and you feel hurting. You're not sure of your standing in Christ. You might not be sure of your place in this church. Well, I would like to encourage you to reach out to someone today who could guide, help you, and make sense of the situation that you are in right now. Please do not go back the same way that you came this morning. Maybe you are still discovering your spiritual gift. And maybe you are not fully sure of God's purpose for you in this world. And in this church. Well, can I pursue you to grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and ask the Lord to reveal his purposes as you pursue Christ in your daily walk? Well, it's a blessing if, you, if all of us were to personally pursue Christ. And if you and I find it difficult, we could always ask somebody to help us. I praise and I thank God for the day of Pentecost. Because it signifies the birth of the church. And the church is a place where I can feel secure. I can feel loved. I can feel cared. I can learn from the word of God. And I can be nourished by believers. You know why? Because that is what being Christ-like means. Shall we pray? Before I pray, I'd just like to ask each and every one of us to examine our own lives in the light of what we heard this morning. Before I pray, there is anybody sitting here who would like to make a, a personal decision, a personal declaration, I would like to give you the opportunity to do that right now. If there's any of you sitting here who has realized that you've been living without Christ, well, the word of God says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you can be saved. Would you be willing to ask the Lord Jesus to come and live inside your heart? If there's any of you who are members, part of Calvary Bible Fellowship, and yet you feel so lost and insecure, can I ask you to reach out and pray and ask the Lord to give you the strength to walk up to somebody and talk to them today so that they could pray and help you in your situation? Born again believers of Calvary Bible Fellowship, can I draw your attention, each of our attention, 
that if any of us are struggling in our spiritual walk with the Lord, forget about our spiritual gifts. If if our basic walk with the Lord is not right, can we confess that right now? Can we ask the Lord, Lord, we've gone off track. That reading the word was not as joyful as before and spending time in prayer has become very tedious for us. Can we confess and ask the Lord to give us the grace and turn our lives around to live a life that is worth pleasing to God. Whatever it is that you want to pray, I want to give you a few seconds to pray and set things right with God and then we will pray and we will close together. Our gracious God, our loving and our heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you chose to come into this world to do so many wonderful things. We thank you that that you came into this world as a humble babe, took upon yourself human flesh, lived among us so that you could die on on the cross for our sin and our shame. We thank you, God, for coming into this world as the Holy Spirit, empowering the believers to talk about the wonders of God. We pray that we will live in the light of the gifts that you've given us and the truths that we learn from your holy word. Lord, teach us, Lord, to be a little more like you every single day. Above all else, we thank you that you are coming again one day. And if today is that day, there is nothing that would be more joyful than to be reunited with you, to see you face to face. But for whatever reason, known only to you, if you choose to tarry, then we pray in the light of what we've heard, that we would continue to live a life, live a way that is pleasing to you. Forgive us of our shortcomings, Lord, and teach us at every point of time to become more like you. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer, for it is in your precious name we ask and we pray.